Today, we are talking about living the on-call life. Welcome, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Doula to Doula, where we talk about pregnancy, birth, motherhood, and the doula life. I'm Exie Bueller, a certified labor and birth doula and childbirth educator. I'm also a licensed and board certified massage therapist and owner of Tringle Touch Birth and Women's Wellness. My co-host is Chana Vaughn. Together, we're going to help each other grow, give each other support, and see how we apply our doula skills to everyday life. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Tana. How are you doing today? It's a beautiful sunny day. Yay. Yes. Oh, thank goodness for wonderful weather after some not so great weather this this week. <laughs> we've had everything. We've had rain. Mm-hmm. We've had snow. What was it? Just mm-hmm. two days ago, three days yes. ago, we had snow. <laughs> oh my goodness. And now it's going to be 80 degrees today and sunny. So hopefully... Oh, yes. You'll be able to get out with the kiddos and enjoy the way. I'm sure their cabin fever is like running rampant right now. No, for sure. Yes. Yes, it is. I've tried to get them out as much, even in the snow, just go outside, enjoy all four seasons in one week. In one day. (laughs) That's Michigan for you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, it is so great to be back together. This new timeline that we have of recording every six weeks or so is going to work for both of us. Um, I, we're both super, super busy. It seems like the pandemic is still going on, obviously, but life has returned pretty much to a hundred percent speed that we were at before (laughs) or faster. Mm -hmm. It feels like. Yes. I feel like we are moving at a lightning speed and the hustle and bustle of pre-pandemic life it's like we're trying to play catch up for the time that was missed at least that's how I feel like time is is really moving quickly right right yeah and I am I am resistant (laughs) I'm like a cartoon character that's got both hands and feet out like no slow down Mm -hmm. (laughs) the slower pace of the pandemic was wonderful for me I really enjoyed it Um, not the pandemic itself obviously just the pace was really really comforting in a way and I now that life is back to full speed ahead my body is like what is happening (laughs) yeah yeah it's amazing I think how acclimated we became to being super duper busy and then when everything stopped it was a, a shock to everyone's system but then we were all like oh, wow. So this is, this is what it actually means to be human and to be present and to be aware of my surroundings and to spend time with the people that I live with in meaningful ways, rather than just, you know, let's scarf dinner down really quick so we can move on to the next thing and Mm -hmm. tell me about your day in five minutes and in two hours, it's bedtime. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. A lot of the noise was gone mm-hmm. and now it's back <laughs> and it's louder back. than ever. <laughs> yes. I was thinking it's back with a megaphone. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. And speaking of busyness, you know, our topic today, I think is one that's near and dear to both of our hearts. When most people think about birth doula work, a lot of times they focus on the day of the baby's arrival. Like that's what they think. That's, that's all they think about when they think about a birth doula and, or, or the night of the baby's arrival as the case might be, because we know a lot Mm -hmm. of babies enjoy coming in the wee hours of the morning. Some people, especially I think perspective doulas might 
consider a little bit the time that a birth doula meets with their client in preparation for the day of their baby's birth to kind of get to know them a bit. And I know that like the standard is like two to three meetings prenatally, it seems like is what a lot of birth doulas will do. You and I have always been like, well, you know, we're here. So call, text us, whatever. And I think a lot of doulas also are that way, but Mm -hmm. formally, a lot of times I think there's like two to three set appointments that birth doulas will have with their clients to kind of discuss the, the basics. But most people don't really think much about the days or the weeks before a baby arrives. And in my opinion, that can be the most stressful part of the work that we do. And so today we are talking about living the on-call life. Oh, yes. It is a life to live, isn't it? <laughs> It's really interesting because when I talk to people who know that I'm a doula, that is one of the things that does not seem to cross their minds. When I tell them about being on call, they don't like fully, it doesn't fully resonate with them what that means. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've been a doula for about 17 years. So my on-call life has had different iterations over time. When I first started this work, I had two small children. They were a little bit younger than yours. So they were in elementary or grade school. And over the course of their schooling, I was their only transportation. You know, um, I took them to school. I picked them up every day. I chaperoned every field trip. I volunteered in their classrooms as much as possible. That was just as a mother, that was all very, very important to me. And of course, I also had a very busy massage schedule where I worked four days a week with one of those days being one day that I would do school drop off, but not pick up. And then through most of my kids' childhood, so really about 20 years, my husband and I were caregivers for elderly and dying family members. So it was, well, his mother died when I was in massage therapy school, but his father, his grandmother, and then both of my grandparents So the logistics of transportation and childcare alone during those years was really challenging. And I have to say that for me, I could not have done my doula work without having an incredibly supportive husband who he works for two different companies, but their work is kind of combined together, which makes it pretty easy, but they were very understanding. And so there were times that I couldn't do school pickup or drop off because I was at a birth and they would allow him to adjust his day schedule to accommodate that. And so I have to give a shout out to them because not everybody has that ability. And I'm very Mm -hmm. grateful. That's one of the benefits of working for a tiny company, I think. (laughs) Um, Sure. (laughs) So that was really helpful. And then I had a couple of friends through the years who I was able to develop some carpool arrangements with that really helped. And then of course, once my kids started driving, that alleviated a lot of the pressure off of me. But yeah, that just the logistics, I'm not even, we'll, we'll talk about big family events and plan B's and all of that later, but just the logistics of day-to-day life as a birth doula, especially if you have small children or you work outside of the doula work, it's a lot to kind of it is deal with when you're on call because you never mm-hmm. know when you're going to get that call. Right. Never. And it's like, you're, you're just waiting for it. Right. <laughs> it's kind of, I don't want to say looming because we're looking forward to it, but it is, it's something that is just 
you can't get it out of your mind. You're kind of trying to, to work around that event. Right, right. So for me, that's kind of how, you know, how my motherhood and doula work kind of balanced with each other through those years. You're kind of in the midst of it because your kids are still little. Oh, a hundred percent. In yes. school, <laughs> your husband probably does not have a boss that was an, as accommodating as my husband's bosses have been. So yeah, how have not at all. how have you managed <laughs> motherhood and doula work on call? Oh, it's been it's been very interesting and I'm so grateful that it has always worked out even in those moments where I feel like how am I going to work this out with working outside of the home for well I work remotely, but in corporate America, and then having kids in school, and my husband uh, works for a larger company, and he's on he's on a crew, so he can't just up and leave because he is doing one portion, one component of the role. So it's been very interesting. Thankfully, I've been able to kind of tap into family and friends to help with the kiddos. I've had cousins and aunts and. <laughs> my mother-in-law kind of step in when need be, but it is just, it's one of those things where that's, it's really fluid. It's constantly changing and evolving. And then we just have to adapt. But my kids have been so resilient throughout the whole process. They get really, really excited. They love birth and they love babies. And they think it's super incredible that I get to be there when families welcome their new family member. And my husband has been extremely supportive as well. So it's just, I couldn't ask for a better core family, my husband and children. And then I also couldn't have asked for a better extended family as well. It's just one of those things where you try to plan as best as you can and you deal with whatever happens without ever putting any pressure on the birthing person. Right. That is extremely important. Like, oh, well, you know, it would be better if a baby can come. No, babies come when they when they would like to. <laughs> in, in your favorite phrase, they are not library books. They do not have a due date. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they just, they come when they feel like it. And that's something that we really take great pride in respecting and honoring that process. So it's been incredible. Just incredible. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of segues into the big family event. So, you know, I've been doing this, like I said, for 17 years. So through the, through the 17 years, I have been on call through the deaths of multiple family members through both of my children's high school graduations and their graduation parties through weddings of friends. And mm -hmm. it's so funny because I do inter like, like you said, we don't put pressure on the birthing person. Usually they're not fully aware Correct. for the majority of my career. I work without a backup and mm -hmm. it's very difficult to, to know that like I had one wedding that was quite a distance away and I was very nervous about going. And my husband was like, we will figure it out. The chances of this baby coming while we are far away at this wedding is very, very small. So, you know, in those instances, I like surreptitiously check in with the birthing person, you know, in an hour or two before I leave to make sure that everything is, you know, status quo and quiet. But it's still like, I remember not fully enjoying that wedding because in the back of my mind, I kept like, okay, if, if I get a phone call, you know, do I even have a signal that's good enough out here? Like all of these mm -hmm. things go through your mind as a doula. And a lot of it, you mm -hmm. know, it's like anything else in life. The, the anxiety that we build up in our minds is way bigger than the reality of it. Mm -hmm. But 
probably the biggest one was I had a client. It was her second baby. My father-in-law had been very, very, very ill for a long time, but he was still living on his own. But we were, we knew that it was getting to the point where things were going to have to change. And my husband, his routine was to go over there every week and help organize the pills that my father-in-law needed to take for the week and, you know, pay his bills and do all of those things, get him his groceries. And he changed the day that week and he went and he just had a feeling, I guess. And he stopped by on a day that he wouldn't normally have stopped by. And he found my father-in-law and he had had a heart attack and um, was not able to push his life alert button. And Mm. the next day we had the, you know, had to go meet at the funeral home and I wasn't actually technically on call. It was like several days before I was supposed to officially be on call. And my client called and said, so I started having contractions this morning and I went to my midwife and I'm on my way to the hospital and I was getting ready to go to the funeral. And I had three doulas in the area that I knew that I thought, well, you know, maybe I can call them. Maybe somebody can stand in for me just for the few hours that I have to be at the funeral home. And all three of them did not answer their phone. So I was like, I told my husband and my husband in the amount of shock that he was in, just looked at me and said, dress for the hospital, follow me in your car. We'll take care of business. And then you go. And I told my, and that, that point I did tell my client, I will be there, but I have to take care of an emergency family matter first. And I did that and, um, it all worked out. And that night she met her daughter and it was beautiful. And, and then we dealt with the business of, you know, everything else, Mm -hmm. but that was probably the most trying event while being on call. Yeah. (laughs) I had a death. Mm -hmm. Understandably so, I would say. And then I had a birth all within 24 hours and it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty, pretty incredible. And of course, as I'm, as she's pushing her baby out, then those three doulas are all messaging me. I saw your call. I got your text. I'm so sorry. I think a couple of them were on birth their own, but it all worked out. And that's, that's, I think the bottom line um, is that the, in this work, no matter what our clients do take priority and we try really, really Mm -hmm. hard to keep it that way. And hopefully they're unaware of the situation. Yes. So what about you? Mm-hmm. What kind of big family events have you had to kind of balance with being on call? I know that one was a real downer, but that was the most, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was well, like no. the most significant one. <laughs> no, not a down. No, I had a um, field trip. It's small, not nothing in the scale of what you had, but just it was the first like post, well, not even post pandemic because we're still in the pandemic, but it was my kid's school decided to go on a field trip. They kind of just kind of like sprung it on us. We weren't, we weren't aware of it. I had already agreed to attend a birth and the field trip coincided with when my client was due. So I had a feeling like, oh, well, I won't be. And I, as like you, I always attended all of their field trips. Thankfully, the field trip ended up getting canceled, like literally the day before. So I didn't quite miss it, but it was a really, my kids were disappointed 
for multiple reasons. One that I probably wouldn't have been able to attend, the other because it was canceled. So not quite huge family events, but I I did have a corporate job change while I had a client that was um, due. And that starting a new role and going to your employer like, hi, uh, I'm so happy to be here. This is a great fit for me. However, I will probably need to be off three days of my first week. (laughs) That's kind of... That one was a little bit interesting. Thankfully, they were very accommodating and understanding. And I always include in any uh, interviews and things like that, that I am a birth doula and that's my passion. And so I may need a little bit of flexibility from time to time. And it hasn't been an issue, but it was very interesting. In the moment, it felt so big. And looking back, I can kind of laugh about it and really glad that it all worked out. Yeah. And I think that that's really an important part of this because most doulas, do have other jobs. You know, I have mm-hmm. been able to incorporate it into my own business. So my massage clients, because I see women of in all stages and phases of life from teenage all the way mm-hmm. to elderly, they're all aware that I'm a birth doula and they're all aware it's part of the contract of services when they come to choose me as a massage therapist that if I am on call and I get a phone call or a text from a client who may be in labor, I will step out of the massage and take that call. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me. And it's so beautiful, this community of women who are so supportive of a laboring person or a pregnant person that they have never met before. You Mm -hmm. know, I have had to cancel clients Mm -hmm. because, you know, somebody went into labor and I will say, my client went into labor. I have to cancel your massage appointment. And for them, they may be, maybe they get massage once a month. Maybe they only get massage once every two to three months. Mm-hmm. Maybe their massage is to help them manage chronic pain. Like it is a, it is a part of their well being self-care that they depend on. But when I explain to them why I'm canceling, they're all like, Oh, go, I wish her the best. I hope everything goes well. I'm so excited for her. You know, and some of them will be like, send, sending her happy thoughts, let her know I'm thinking of her. And that Mm -hmm. helps bolster the laboring woman so much to know, Mm -hmm. you know, all of my clients are rooting for you and they're Uh so excited for you and, and that building of community. So it's really amazing, but I have not had to ask a boss. I have to to step away from work because, you know, it's so it's a, it's gotta be a different dynamic for you to handle that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It, it can be disconcerting at times trying to figure out the right balance, especially when you're new to a company or to a position when you're still in that, like proving yourself kind of time period. And it definitely, it's a mind thing though. It's mind over matter. If you go into it, like I can, I can do this. However, I need to step away and take care of this other obligation. And then you come back to it and it's, everything is fine. And thankfully I've had great coworkers as well that have kind of stepped in to cover for certain things. And I try to give people as much notice as possible. Let them know I put it on a calendar, team calendar, the, just give it visibility. And then it also takes it out of my mind. So I don't have to focus on the work aspect of things so much. Yeah. yeah. So if you were talking to a perspective or a new doula out there mm-hmm. who has a full-time job, who has a team of employees, um, coworkers, mm-hmm. or maybe a not so understanding manager or boss, mm-hmm. what are some suggestions that you could give to that doula? 
I would say be transparent. And that for me, that has been key, letting people know as soon as I decided that I wanted to go through with the doula training and become certified, I actually informed my employer, hi, just so you know, I've decided that I want to continue learning. And this is a passion of mine. I'm doing this course, obviously, outside of business hours. And so it will impact my schedule at some point. I'll be sure to let you know in advance prior to that happening. And then I put it on their calendar, team calendar. I try to find my own um, backups for coworkers. So have some camaraderie on the team. Hey, I may be out. And that's common in the workplace as well. People go on, they go out of the office for multiple reasons. So usually you'll have someone that will be able to cover for you. If I'm supervising employees, I also let them know that I will be out and who they can reach in my absence or designate someone on the team that can fulfill my obligations. So it's just communication and transparency. And don't don't be afraid. People have passions outside of the regular quote unquote nine to five. So don't be afraid to follow your passion. Um, as long as you just make sure that you are getting your work done as well. If you're if you have all these deadlines and you're not even halfway there and the deadlines are approaching and then you ask for time off, yeah, that may be a little bit different of a situation. So just staying organized, completing what needs to be done, having all of your deadlines and having someone that can back you up has been extremely helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. And probably also having doulas that you can refer to also, mm -hmm. if, if there is a deadline that you can't get away from mm -hmm. and your client is in labor for no other reason than at least to sit with the laboring person until you can arrive because your, yes. your workday will eventually end. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I've definitely had clients that I texted like, hey, I'm on a conference call right now that I can't leave out of. If you text me, if you're feeling anything, I'll write you right back. Like I may not be able to talk on the phone, but I can text mm -hmm. and then right. have communication with them. Okay, call is over. Do you want to hop on a call? Do you need me to come to you? What's your status? And they've been really understanding. I just always make sure that I let them know that I am there for them, even if they can't hear my voice. They, I can right. text them, I can email them, I can try to step away, I let them know if I have a couple of minutes in between calls, it, just making sure that they feel supported, and that they are that they know that I'm there for them, while letting my employer know, hey, I may, I have to support this other thing right now. So I'll be right back to my duties. It's a, right. it's a balancing act. Yeah, I think that that's also a really, a really great point, because our clients do at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. Even my massage clients, you know, I have some clients who I have been working with since I first began mm -hmm. in this work 18 years ago, and they've never once met my children, but to them, they have been part of my children's mm -hmm. growth because they ask about them. They've seen pictures I've had of my kids in the office and it's, it's part of building a relationship with your clients. And mm -hmm. I think that they understand that we have lives. They understand that we're mothers. They understand that we might have another job. Mm -hmm. And as long as we're not making our life, their responsibility, if right. we are letting them know that, you know, we do have this thing going on. If I miss your call, you know, or I miss your text don't panic, just keep trying. Mm -hmm. They're really understanding of that. Plus they understand that technology fails us. Oh, for sure it does. <laughs> and I, yeah. I think that's another big fear that doulas have, especially living on call is, am I going to miss the call? Especially at night mm -hmm. is, is my oh, technology yes. going to fail? Is my phone going to do an update that mm -hmm. I'm unaware of in the middle of the night? 
at the exact moment that my client mm-hmm. is trying to call me? How yep. have you managed that part? Oh my goodness. Because that oh. is something we have no control over. That is one of the scariest things. Technology is so wonderful and it allows us to do so many amazing things. But then at times it's just like, come on. Do you really need, like you said, system update? Do you really need to do the system? update? I've had this phone for years. Why do you need to update right now? Or (laughs) making sure that if you have do not disturb settings in place that your client is able to bypass that or making sure that your phone is charged all the way because who wants to have a dead phone and your client can't reach you and making sure you have car chargers and a backup charger. Oh my goodness. There's so much that goes into it. And it's so much that it puts on your brain. Like you, I just get into like overthinking, okay, let me make sure that my phone is by my night table and that I have it charged and that I have and that it's on and I'll wake up, open one eye, kind of turn it, make sure that the phone is actually on <laughs> just mm-hmm. to make, just to ensure that I can be reached. Right. Oh, right. It's an interesting. Yeah. So that kind of takes us into the next topic on our list of living the on-call life is sleep. Oh, like you sleep completely differently when completely you are on call. Differently. It's like, like for me, I, I was sleeping how I did when I had newborns, mm-hmm. like that half sleep, you're asleep, mm-hmm. but you can hear everything. You're very aware while you are trying to rest your body, like your body may be resting, but your mind is not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Every sound, every noise, I would think like, is that a vibration? Was that my phone vibrating? Oh, wait, no, my phone, it would ring. Okay, so, well, let me check it anyway, just to make sure it wasn't a text message. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Sleep with I, one eye open. <laughs> I kind of have to laugh when I hear all of these, because I'm a terrible sleeper. I've always been a terrible sleeper ever since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just don't, I'm not, I don't sleep well. I've had in, chronic insomnia my whole life. And I'm always listening to these little reports and recommendations about how to improve your sleep. And I always, always have to laugh Mm -hmm. when they say, remove all the technology out of your room. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. Never. That would never happen. You can't do that when you're on call. (laughs) No, it's impossible. And if anything, you need more technology in your room. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then making sure like um, some clients, their favorite way of contacting is through email. Mm -hmm. And I have to just implore them. Email does not come through at night. My Mm -hmm. do not disturb is on. If it wasn't on, I would literally not sleep because I have messages. I have five email addresses Mm -hmm. and I have messages coming in all night long. So my email gets shut off at night. You have to call me or text me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember very early in my career, texting was not a thing. Like you were still getting charged. Oh, yes. For Mm -hmm. being, for texting, you were getting charged per character. So Mm -hmm. like even the spaces were getting charged. And I had one client who insisted on texting and I didn't know how to text. I didn't have a phone that was like one of those phones where you had to like press the button three times. Oh, yes. (laughs) And I remember anytime she would text me, I would get so frustrated because I was like, I don't understand this form of communication. 
I have too much to say. It's mm-hmm. going to cost me a hundred dollars to send this message. <laughs> you could run out of space. <laughs> yes. It'll be like five different yeah. text messages. Um, but now the majority of my clients, of course, want to communicate by text and actually like in a storm or something, sometimes a text message will come through better than a phone call. That's true. Yes. And so when I'm on call, I tell my clients, okay, if you think that you're in labor, call me. And if the phone call doesn't go through, then text me. I still have clients who just completely ignore the calling part at all mm-hmm. and will text me and then I will call them back for more clarity. But the texting seems to be now the, the preferred way in by all parties, myself included mm-hmm. in communicating. So, and I have all these different notifications. Like when I put somebody on my do not disturb when I'm on call, they get a special ringtone. They get a special notification sound so that I can determine, oh, that's just a family member, you know, or, oh, that's so-and-so. This oh, is a baby see, call. Smart. <laughs> I need, I need to uh, do that one because mine, it's all the same. So it could be mm-hmm. like <laughs> anything, anyone that, of course, all, most of my family members are on, they can bypass my do not disturb. So I do remember waking up like, when I open reading a text and, and no, it's just my sister that lives uh, on Pacific time. And she's oh, just right. letting me know how her day ended. And I'm like, oh, come on. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, the different notifications definitely helps mm-hmm. um, once you get used to it, you know, because then your brain associates that particular sound to a baby. Mm-hmm. And then once, once the baby arrives and I'm off call, I switch them back to my default sounds, mm-hmm. but yeah. And back, you know, when my father-in-law was still alive, he had the life alert button, as I had mentioned. So we still had a landline mm-hmm. and I would use that as my backup. Like if you try me on my cell phone and it doesn't work, you know, this is of course back, he died in 2013. So mm-hmm. it was still early enough that having a landline was still beneficial and texting and phone calls was not always on cell phones reliable. Mm-hmm. And so I would say, if all else fails, call my home phone number. Mm-hmm. Cause that will without a doubt ring through. Mm-hmm. But once we got rid of the landline, it was like, Oh no, now what do I do for a while? I gave out my husband's phone number, but then he discovered do not disturb. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so now it's just like, just call and text and call and text and call and text mm-hmm. until I okay, answer totally. because yes. I am not sleeping. I will tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that's the other thing too. Like I've had clients who've gone to the hospital and tell me if this has ever happened to you. And you think this is it. Like you're, you're, you're this close to just getting dressed and sleeping on the sofa. Yes. Yes. And then it's nothing for like six hours and you keep checking your phone every 20 minutes. And then the morning arrives and you're like, hi, is everything okay? And they're like, oh yeah, we just decided we would rather sleep. And it's like, you could have told me that. No. I would have <laughs> slept too. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. I have been like dressed to leave the house and laying like on top of my comforter because it's like I, I want to rest, but I know any second they can be calling me. And then, nope, nothing. I've just laid there all night, <laughs> dressed and ready to go, only just to get up, shower, and change again. <laughs> yep, yep. And this is the thing, birthing people who are listening, we are not at all 
putting the pressure on you. It no. is not your responsibility to worry no. about us when, when you think you're in, you know, you're thinking that you're in labor or trying to adjust to labor. This is just pulling the curtain back on what it's like on our side of things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We love it's- this work. It Honestly, yeah. that this is part of it, right? If when you start to really resent the on-call life, it is time to get out of the work. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. bottom line. If you can't laugh about it, if you can't look back on it and say, you know, that really was not how I expected that to go, but it did. And it ended with a beautiful birth. And I'm so happy for that family. And I'm so honored to have been a part of it. Once that feeling and that appreciation starts to wane, it's time to get out of the work mm-hmm. because you cannot be a birth doula and not live the on-call life. Right. Exactly. And there's a lot, there's even more to the on-call life than, than what we've covered. I mean, from the, it's really small, but like abstaining from alcohol so that you can be all in sound mind while you're there with your clients to ensuring that you have gas in the car at all times, especially for me, who's chronically on E. Like I, my gas tank has never been better cared for than my on-call periods. I would make sure that I had gas in the car, ready to go, no lights on the dash, my tires had it, just because you don't want to break down on the side of the road or run out of gas and miss momentous occasions. So there's so many other things that go into it. Right, right. And the bags. I usually get my bags ready like a week before I go on call Mm -hmm. and put them in my car just in case. Mm -hmm. And over the course of time, we've talked about bags before, you know, when you're, when you're a new doula, you think of all the stuff you want to bring all this stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I used to have so much stuff. I used to carry a birth ball, a birth ball pump. I mean, it was ridiculous. I was like a Sherpa walking Mm -hmm. through the hospital. I could Mm -hmm. have used a luggage rack in some cases. (laughs) But now, you know, for one thing, the hospitals have become much, much more accommodating. They have have. the salt lamps. They have, Mm -hmm. I still bring LED candles with me because I have some really cool color changing ones, Mm -hmm. but they do. A lot of them have LED candles. I don't have to bring a Bluetooth speaker with me anymore because they typically will have one or my clients will have a playlist, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So my bag has morphed into you know, and really I have two bags. So I have a case that has some massage tools and things like that. It has all my chargers in it, you know, those types of things. And then I have a backpack that has my clothes Mm -hmm. because it only takes one time to have somebody's water break all over you for you to realize I can't go home in these clothes. Mm -mm. (laughs) Nope. I mean, down to the socks and shoes. I would keep mm -hmm. a spare pair of shoes. (laughs) Yeah. Of course you have your undergarments, but just everything and snacks and hydration, water for yourself. Mm -hmm. I like a specific water bottle that I like to bring. It keeps it cold and it just feels comfortable in my hand. And yeah, all the things you bringing some comforts for ourselves as well, because it's although the birthing person is doing work, we're also doing a different type of work. So we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves as well. Right, right. And the downtime during labor, because there are downtimes in labor, Mm -hmm. a a really, really 
good labor, there's a quite a bit of downtime actually. And mm-hmm. in times where we are able to just sit back and in the middle of the night, I don't care who you are. The hospital gets cold in the middle of the night. Oh yes. And you know, the blankets are for the patients mm-hmm. and maybe for their partners. Mm-hmm. So it's important for us to have a sweatshirt or a little jacket or mm-hmm. a, some kind of a throw or a blanket. I took a Snuggie, you know, those Snuggies that look mm-hmm. like robes that you wear backwards. I had one of those for the longest time. And then I came across a blanket because it's really my feet that always get cold. Mm-hmm. And I came across a blanket that has a pocket at the feet. Oh, nice. So I I got that. So that's in my birth bag. And then of course, now we have to have face masks, right? Mm-hmm. We have to carry our face masks with us and goggles. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear goggles because, you know, like I said, splash me once yes. <laughs> with, a, with a ton of amniotic fluid. <laughs> it only takes once for me to be like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, I don't want that in my eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot that goes into our bags and we, we've got to carry them with us and, and keep them with us. And snacks, the snacks have got to be not pungent. Yes. They have yes. to be individually wrapped. Mm-hmm. They have to be easy and quick to consume. Mm-hmm. Not and too loud. Really, not too loud, right? And they have to be able to stay good in any kind of weather because mm-hmm. if your bag is in your car and it's 90 degrees out, mm-hmm. or if your bag is in your car and it's two degrees out, mm-hmm. your snacks have to stay preserved, I guess yes. is the best term for mm-hmm. you. So that's another thought that we have to keep in mind with the on-call life. It's it's a lot. It's interesting. It yeah. It's <laughs> It's probably more than any of our listeners have thought about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But then when you look back on it, it it feels in the moment like it is like a long period of time. But then when you look back on it, it it, it goes by really quickly. It does. Once a baby is born, it's like, it's almost like a mom brain. You know, after you have a baby, you kind of forget about all the things, pregnancy, childbirth, and then you do it again. The doula experience for me and the on-call life is kind of like that. It's like, oh, well, that wasn't so bad, you know, it, and it never is really bad, but it it just, it's so funny how time changes per- perception and perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It just takes some forethought. I remember with my second son's graduation party, I remember I had my phone on an armband on my arm mm-hmm. as I was preparing for the party. We had it at our house and also during the party. And then I had my smartwatch on too, just in case mm-hmm. one of them Like Mm -hmm. I needed to be doubly notified. Mm -hmm. And I I remember thinking, okay, it's all right. He only gets one high school graduation party. But if I have to leave to to go on this birth, that's okay too, Mm because this baby will only be born once. Mm-hmm. So, and, and my, my kids are very used to my job and they're familiar with it and there won't be any hard feelings. I'll just make sure everything is set and everybody here knows what needs to be done. So if I did have to leave, it would be done. So it's just really a matter of forethought, it just is, having, absolutely. having enough forethought. What I have learned is we are big theater people. We love to go to the theater and see plays and musicals and things like that, or concerts. Mm-hmm. If you're a concert person, it takes a lot for me to take the chance to buy a ticket like that when I know I'm going to be on call. I've done it, but mm-hmm. it's hard to enjoy the experience. It is. It is. Yeah. It takes you away from the experience. You can't fully like allow yourself to be submersed in it. For me, having two, it's like my mind, my body and my mind are trying to be in two places at once. And I can't, I just can't do that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So that's, that's one thing I, I have kind of altered a little bit is if there's a big theater show, a big musical or something that I know I want to go to, I will make sure that I either have a backup who can mm-hmm. cover me for that night, or I just don't buy the ticket. Yes, absolutely. because I know for me, it takes away too much to worry about being even even though the chances of being pulled out of that event are small. And it's weird to say that being pulled out of my son's graduation party, I would be okay with but being pulled out of a theater <laughs> musical, I wouldn't. Priorities, priorities. <laughs> I, it sounds oh, like my yes. priorities are all mixed up, but... But I think it's just because at his graduation party, it wasn't about me. It was about him. It was about his friends. It was about, you know, him, his celebration. And I was a support person for it, but I wasn't like, it wasn't about me. Whereas if I go to a theater to see a play, it's about me. Yes. (laughs) It's for your enjoyment. You are there just thinking, oh, I want to support these actors. (laughs) Right. Right. So I think that's the difference. (laughs) No, that makes, that makes complete sense. That makes, I don't want anybody out there judging my mothering. Oh no, they no need to judge. Your kids know that you have, that you have their back, fronts and sides, so they are loved and cared for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 been interesting. So looking back over the 17 years of doing this and the hundreds of babies that I've met, the times when I was so like, oh, I've I've got this going on and that going on and I'm going to be on call and would I be able to have a backup in and what if this happened? And you're right. It all just falls into place. It does. And it does. It's it's really is about the birthing family mm-hmm. and that baby. And no matter what is going on in our lives as birth doulas, that takes a back seat once we know that labor is imminent. Mm-hmm. That this baby is coming. Mm-hmm. Knowing that labor is that it's started and that it's progressing for me, it gives me a sense of clarity where everything else just kind of falls to the wayside and I'm able to just focus and hone in on that family, that birthing person, what they need. I'm Everything else is like, it just disappears. And then I'm able, once I come out of it, I still am in a little bit of a fog after the birth and then that dissipates and I'm back to mom, wife, employee. And it just, it, it's amazing to see how resilient we can be. Oh yeah. That cycle. Yeah, absolutely. There were numerous times when I left a birth and went to the school. Mm -hmm. Like I left the birth at eight. I was able to shower, get to school for chaperoning a field trip or handling lunch or doing whatever event at the school that I was supposed to do Mm -hmm. that day. Or Mm -hmm. there's a number of times when I've left a birth and gone to my office and slept on my massage table for Mm -hmm. an hour before my first client arrived. Mm -hmm. Everything does kind of fall into place here, but I think our point in doing this episode was to really give a more balanced view of the birth doula work. It it takes Mm -hmm. forethought. It takes planning. There are logistics involved. The, The birthing family is the priority at that time, but you are a human being with a life Mm-hmm. And with, with children, with events, with deaths in your family um, mm-hmm. that need to be also managed when yes. you're on call. And I think it's, it's unrealistic for a prospective doula to not be aware of these things going into this incredible work, because the goal, I think for us as birth workers, aside from the support that we do for the families that we work with is also to support each other. 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's very essential for prospective doulas to understand when they're making an investment to train and become a birth doula, that they are going to have to look at kind of the backside of things mm-hmm. 100% and know agree. how to work it. Yes, absolutely. Self-care for doulas is so important because we cannot give a hundred percent to our clients if we're not cared for ourselves. And that includes our own support network. Like you've said, you, you have a wide range of people in your network that support you in the work that you do. When my kids were younger, I had a network that I needed. Now that they're adults, Mm -hmm. my on-call life looks a little bit different. I don't have the same logistics that I have to worry about. I can be a much more selfish, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if I can say that, as a birth doula. It just looks a little bit different. I still have my, my work, my massage work. I still have those clients that I have to take care of. I've got my um, other job that I do, but everything I have has some flexibility to it, which is a beautiful evolution Mm -hmm. of my role as a doula from the very beginning when I had two kids in school that needed to be transported and sick elderly family members that needed to be cared for Mm -hmm. and all of that. So stay in the work. If you're in it now, if you're just starting in it, if you're having trouble with these logistics and balancing your life out, hopefully what we've shared today can kind of help Mm -hmm. maybe, (laughs) or at least see that it can be done. (laughs) Yes. That's the thing. It's doable. If there's one thing that prospective doulas or doulas that are just starting, if they take away from it, it is doable, 100%. If if we can do it and we can find a balance, then you can too. You're not alone. And we all have something that we are trying to, some logistics that we are trying to sort out. So plan ahead as much as possible, but just don't give up because you can do it. It, takes, it sometimes takes some creativity. Oh, yes, lots. <laughs> You might need to look for help in places that you didn't realize Mm -hmm. and don't, don't underestimate the joy as a doula. We, we are right there. We are directly involved in the, the birthing of a family, but our support network, the people for me, my family, my friends, my clients, Mm -hmm. they are indirectly a part of the birth of that baby's life mm-hmm. because they're able to support me in doing the work directly. And so don't underestimate the joy that that brings people mm-hmm. to know that if they can help you do your work as a doula, then they're helping this family meet their new baby. And that is actually something that I think a lot of people, especially now in the time frame that we're living in, they are craving something to be joyful about. So yes. ask for help. It may come in unexpected places by mm-hmm. unexpected people, and it may help you do your work a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well, this was fun. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> we'll go back and listen to it and we'll be like, Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have pulled the curtain back quite that far. Oh, it was worth shining a light on this, on this aspect of being a doula. Like you said, not a lot of people really, I think, understand. And if, if people are considering joining this line of work, it is something that you really, really need to think about. So hopefully we have presented it in a way that doesn't scare people away. <laughs> Come join well, yeah. us in doulas. <laughs> Well, yeah, and, and I and I do want to say I I do want to kind of um, add a little caveat to what I'd said earlier about you know when if, if you start to get resentful of the on call life there is a high level of burnout 
if you're on call all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, so know your limits, know how many clients you are able to properly care for Mm -hmm. in a month. And also know that this work, it's so forgiving. You can step back for two or three months. You can take a break Mm -hmm. and not accept any doula clients. Mm -hmm. There will be more people getting pregnant. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. There will be more lining up for your support. So pandemic babies have been coming out left and right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. So it's okay to say, I am not going to take births at this time of year because this is the time my family normally travels, or this is the time that, you know, I need to care for myself for whatever reason. It's okay to turn clients away mm-hmm. for your own self-care. And that's another reason why building a network of doulas in your area is so helpful because you can say, I'm unable to be with you at that, at that time, but I can refer you to this amazing doula Mm -hmm. down the road. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, that becomes circular because all of us need times in the year where we take a break. There are many doulas who, who don't do summer births. Mm-hmm. because that's the time for them to travel. That's when their kids are out of school. There are many doulas who don't do holidays mm-hmm. because that's the time for them to spend with extended family members. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lovely balance out there. There's enough work for everybody. So um, I think the key to not being coming resentful of the on-call life is making sure that you have times that you allow yourself throughout the year to step back and not be on call. Mm-hmm. Very true. And not feel the pressure to take every single client. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the beauty of, of the role. It's, it's one of the right. very few things that you can kind of turn on and turn off to accommodate your needs. And you can't do that. Well, most people can't do that in a corporate world or many other settings, but in the doula world, you can with the proper support. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. So live your on-call life, take breaks when you need them. Mm-hmm enjoy the births when they're happening Mm -hmm. and do this work for as long as possible because it is amazing. Mm -hmm. Very rewarding. It really is. Well, I guess that's it for today, Chana. Yes. I think we covered a lot. Yes, we did. It's been fantastic as always. And to our listeners, thank you very much. And we will see you in about six weeks. <laughs> yep. Thanks for joining us again on another episode of Doula to Doula. Don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app.